Welcome, welcome, welcome to the Hall of Games, episode number 27. That doesn't feel right to me. Um, I think I'm still just going to introduce with Bard's Backlog. So, welcome to Bard's Backlog, episode number 27, the Hall of Games, whatever. Uh, but, of course, this is Josh Gallegos, uh, the video game Bard, your host here for this episode. And I am joined, as always, by the casual, Jared Benson. Jared, how you doing out there? I'm doing well. Talk about a midlife crisis. Uh, you mean mid-podcast crisis of, right. <laughs> of identity. <laughs> I apologize. Yeah, I should have thought about that before we jumped into the housekeeping madness of it all, but oh well. You know, self-editing in the process sometimes is the way to do it. Keep First it draft, you know, sometimes you want to get it all down, but on occasion you see the flaw before you got into the editing process, so yeah. real quick change it there anyway this is of course bard's backlog the ever-growing catalog of video games inducted into the hall of games and that's partially why i think we could still have bard's backlog as the start because i think that catchphrase there explains it all it is our backlog but it is us talking about the hall of games we of course are right. the gatekeepers and subsequent executioners of any video game candidate including today's write in our email is askvgb at gmail.com of course, you can support the podcast by giving our social media posts a like, following us there, or on your Apple Podcasts, or on your podcast service of choice, not just Apple Podcasts. Though, if you are listening there, dropping reviews for us definitely helps, especially if they are five stars. So keep that in mind. Jared, I do want to say I appreciate getting together with you um, so consistently thus far in 2022. You're, you're my... You're my virtual, over-the-internet, voice-from-the-darkness sidekick, and being able to connect with you, um, I thoroughly enjoy. And the amount of connections we have had thus far um, I encourages me for this year, and I look forward to the rest of it. Yes, I, I feel the exact same way, and it's funny because I... I I will often text you as I'm going through my video game journey. <laughs> yes. And I love those moments of connection that keep, you know, kind of uh, just intertwining. And then I think both of us kind of view this a little bit as recreation slash work in the sense. Uh, and so I think that keeps it on the forefront and makes it a priority. And yeah, I've th tremendously enjoyed our strong, strong start to 2022. And I'm looking forward to what the rest of the year holds. Yeah. So, yeah. <clears throat> Hopefully, for Bard's backlog, it's exciting. The ver the video game industry seems like it's going to have a good year. So yes, on yes. both fronts, man. Uh, hopefully, you can keep the ball rolling. And um, yeah, no, I and I appreciate you texting me and, and updating me on stuff. You know, it's it's always fun. And I would say too, like the the you said you mentioned the word work. I I consider it more of just like passion project. You know, like I don't, mm -hmm. none of this, like even the editing side of things, I guess that's where like typically they say like for a YouTuber, you know, like the recording is just the start. And once the camera shuts off, that's when the real work begins, you know, sure. um, and even that like part of it, I love it. You know, this is all just fun for me. Uh, yeah. Of course, that being a passion, I want to do it well. So I am putting in some work, you know, but 
Um, That's exactly how I see it. Like when I say I think of this as work, I mean that in a ter- in a in a way that suggests that I respect what we're doing sure. because I'm going to put in the work to make it great. I don't like coming into these podcasts unprepared. I don't like coming in, you know, without knowing, you know, a, a you know a comfortable level amount of background information on the yeah. game and have some good experience with it. And I don't like, you know, when I think of something that's not a passion project or it's not work, it's just fun, it's just relaxing. Most of the time it's just mindless or it's gaming, you know, or it's it's something that I don't have to put the work in. I can enjoy it as much as I want to and then drop it as soon as it stops being enjoyable. With this, you know, I want to come to the I want to come prepared, and I, I I respect it when I say I view it a little bit as work. So I mean that in a good way. Does sure. that make sense? I don't know. That's Absolutely. kind of the mind pretzel I work with, yeah. No, and I and I assumed that. I just wanted to say, just throwing that, that passion side of things there. And, you know, Absolutely. they always say, like, never follow your passion, but bring it along with you. Um, yes. That's a micro quote. I love that. So, um you know, whatever it is you're doing, do your best at it. And certainly in this case, I can tell for you, like you, you put your heart and soul into it, which I thoroughly appreciate considering the fact that the, you know, uh, you are the casual. Uh, so yes, <laughs> a lot of this stuff, like, yes. you know, you're, you're doing at this point in your life as a, uh, of course for enjoyment, but, but as a study as it were, um, and mm-hmm. putting it together for these podcasts. So, um, oh, yeah. speaking of though, last time, of course, we covered shadow of the Colossus, which is a great example of an episode that I did not prepare enough for. <laughs> so <laughs> talking about all that. <laughs> so, um, I, I also wanted to mention too, we did not Jared talk enough about the sword plunging, just like how good that feels and like how yeah. epic it is every time. Um, yeah. So great sword plunging game, Shadow of the Colossus there. Um, but check out that episode. Of course, for this one, we've got a whole new topic here. But before we get into that, Jared, let's go ahead and jump into our first segment here, the games we play in. All right, Jared, update me. How is Horizon Zero Dawn? Have you been able to get into any of the other PlayStation games? I know the fervor, right? It's still there, I'm assuming, with the PS5, or is it starting to dwindle a little bit? Oh, no, it's still there. It's still well and good. (laughs) It's a current, it's probably an unhealthy obsession at this point, just because school just started yesterday, and of course, introductory, you know, the first week of school is always pretty easy. Um, So it's, you know, we're still in, you know, gear one here before we're really ramping up. So I've had this whole break to really enjoy the PlayStation 5 and just lose myself in it and get obsessed and have an unhealthy sleep schedule, all that stuff. Love that. Um, and my recent un, un, uh, unwavering obsession has been Horizon Zero Dawn with, uh, you know, the, just the open world, the bow hunting, the machines, uh, everything. It is near flawless it is in fact to date my favorite rpg i've ever played taking the top spot from breath of the wild and there you go from that skyrim so i i it is 
some of the best gaming I've ever had in my life. And actually, just about an hour before we started uh, recording today, I fin- got to a got good stopping point, and I think I'm going to put it down. So okay. I'm, I'm wow. happy with my experience with it, and uh, it has been fantastic. Would highly recommend that game. I don't really want like I want us to talk about it. If we don't get to it, that's fine. I'll just say it's it's amazing. It's oh, so we absolutely can. Um, I'd love to have a chance to go back. It was one of those experiences. The Last of Us was like this for me too, where I played through sure. it and loved it so much. I didn't want to go back and touch it again. Like I wanted yeah. to keep that like just awesome feeling of the first playthrough. Um, I have yeah. broken that since then with Last of Us. I have played through it again. And I'm more than willing to break it with Horizon because it was game like it was a game that I remember like and this happens in games, but like getting that click right, like where you all of a sudden the flow just is isn't even something you're thinking about anymore. It's just you're in you're immersed. It's like you go into the flow state Um, and which is like a gamer state. Obviously, all kinds of games can do that to you, but horizons loop of gameplay and just the feel of the controls and the amount of tools at your disposal how awesome it all works together with just the beautiful detailed graphics uh the amazing sound design just top notch across the board and that's a game that like when you get into that gamer state i don't even know what you call that like what the technical term is but like you can you can lose yourself in a way that that is hard to do in some other games in horizon specifically. Like it is a truly fully realized open world with just so many accolades to its name. Like so many things that it has done so well that like it in my mind is a perfect example of the kinds of experiences that video games can achieve and give you that no other medium can. Um, Yeah. I'd throw God of War 2018 into that category as well. And as well as several, several other games. I'm not discounting anything else, but for Horizon, it's in there with the rest. And I'm excited that you're enjoying it. I I would love to go and jump into the game again. Honestly, I never played the DLC, so maybe that's where I go in. Did you get a chance to play the, uh, like wilds i can't remember what it was it was like a winter frozen thing. wilds frozen yeah. wilds yeah. yeah i've played through the whole storyline and decided to leave the dlc because uh it's one of the strong points of the game that the dlc for this game fits seamlessly into the game it's mm. like it's not a dlc i mean the the game indicates that it is hey these are the collectibles that are only available with this dlc so it, it does have to segregate it a little bit just so that you know you're getting extra content but if they didn't tell you it was a dlc I'm telling you, it's so flawless. The weapon yeah. carryover is possible. You know, you go up to the this DLC area, and then you get the um, you get those weapons that are like modified. You have to fight these machines that are slightly different uh, and a little bit more crazy, to be honest with you. And then you can br- you can transfer that back to the main storyline and bring it back down to the original game. And it's it's one of the most flawless um, addition additional levels of content I've ever played in my life. It fits so seamlessly. Um, just a, as opposed to like, say Mario Rabbids, right? Where the right. D- the Donkey Kong DLC is like it's adjacent. It can't it feels actually very sectioned fit. off. Exactly, exactly. So it's uh, just to, to juxtapose those two. It's a it's an excellent. I would highly recommend. You just get the complete edition. Just go ahead and yes. it's available, very affordable right now. It's like I don't know twenty nine ninety nine or something, but like it has all of it. I yeah, absolutely worth it. And I pre ordered. 
Forbidden West uh, three days ago, so I'm psyched. There you go. Um, got a hard copy <laughs> on the way to my local GameStop. So let's I'm, I'm go. Pumped. Yeah, you should check out Killzone Shadowfall. That's on PlayStation mm-hmm. now. It's the game that this developer made right before Horizon Zero Dawn. Um, yeah, and it's so interesting to see the difference because Killzone is a first-person shooter, and at that time, and the Killzone franchise is what they started in. I'm pretty sure this company, um, they were trying to make a Halo, like a Halo competitor for sony and then they hired a couple people who had some expertise in world design open world design and they just jumped into this whole new idea and committed to it and man it is it is a fantastic game i don't know if you were aware but this actually came out the exact same day as breath of the wild and so there was a lot of conversation at the time of which (laughs) of the two is better um, but in your mind, Jared, you're saying it's Horizon, so it is. It is just because it's um, it's more technically savvy. Um, and while you know, I learned what the term draw. Do you know what draw distance means in video yes. games? Yeah, yeah. I learned about that because I was so floored by this game's ability to pull that off um, oh, on the PS5. Yeah, like, right, oh, right. And it just for two, but yeah, right. And it's it, five years later. This game holds up. I think. Um, just as good, if not better, um, than Breath of the Wild. But I mean, that's it's also a matter of personal preference and taste. I felt like a lot of the Breath of the Wilds, um, just to uh, poise them against each other, Breath of the Wild became tedious sometimes with like the crafting and the cooking, as yeah. opposed to Horizon Zero Dawn. The creator's intention with this was to, you know, make a very simple, very streamlined menuing system so that all of the focus really became on the combat storyline. Yes. And there's more we could talk. I could go for hours. I read up on this and everything. The The creators of this game intentionally chose the riskiest idea pitched to their studio crew, which started with about 10 to 20 people at the time. They're like, That's that crazy. is the craziest <laughs> idea we have. We're going to go with that idea. And they set aside other games for the, to focus on this game. So it's crazy. I... I'm going to say, before we even get into the game, I highly, highly, highly recommend it. But, uh, yeah. So, J- Josh, tell me what, what you've been playing here. We've both been getting into God of War here, and yeah. I see that you... Wh- what's up with God of War Ascension? So, you inspired me, because you brought up the God of War, uh, the first HD remake that was on the PS4. Um, I jumped into it really fast, because I have PlayStation Now as well. The The first one, I, I played the first God of War, just the all the way through the hydra fight and i was like okay yeah 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 like reminding myself of what had happened yep. in this game and whatnot and I'm, i was thinking like you know what? I'm, I'm good um i love the god of war combat but it definitely yes. gets better with the titles as they continue on obviously so my next thought was like you know if i want to keep playing some god of war and like enjoy the combat maybe i should play one of the more recent ones and the 2018 God of War overhauls the combat entirely. It's nothing like the originals. Well, not nothing, but it's very, very different. Um, it's much more akin to how Assassin's Creed fights than... Uh, like, the the original God of Wars are, are closer to a Devil May Cry or a Bayonetta. They're more action-y. Um, and then the, the newest one has a little more adventure-y aspects to it. So I was like, okay, if I can't play the newest one, what's the next best? And the one previous is Ascension. Ascension came out in 2013, I believe, and it's not 
better than God of War 3. I think 3 is a much, much better game. But I have played 3 so much that I was like, you know what? If I want to try something with a just fresh feel to it, I'll, I'll jump into Ascension. So... I just, every now and then, it's right there on my main menu, so every now and then I'll pick it up and, and play 10 minutes or so. Um, I really haven't played a whole lot since then, but it has been a nice refresher on just how how original these games are. Sure. And just how unique they are in their own space. Like, nothing is like this. So, uh, yeah. thoroughly enjoying, like, ripping open a, a giant, uh, what do you call the elephants? Are those mastodons? Um massive tusked elephants yeah uh, so yeah, like mastodon. Yeah. yeah mastodon so uh like those are fun like all the different detail and the the takedowns and ascension has uh, some very unique aspects to it so it's it's technically a prequel to the first one i believe but it's made it's it was cutting edge you know ps3 ps4 graphics so um it, it has all that going for it but it's combat was a lot more nuanced than even god of war 3 was so that's been cool like oh yeah this is unique like reminding myself of some of that um story wise it's not exciting so i don't think i'm going to continue on with it for very long but it has kind of wet my whistle um after you were talking about god of war last time <laughs> so the game i've really the same been way putting... about the Go ahead. Sorry, I feel the same way about the first one, just in the sense that, like, I feel like I've gotten a feel for the first one. It's like, okay, I'm going to check up. I'm just going to check the ending real quick. I'm going to check the key moments here. Yeah. And then we're <laughs> going to move on. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. Because, you know, but but I even for the very first game, I mean, the way the combat flows is impressive. But you do make a good point about, you know, the, tech, the, the visceral technicality of it versus, like, the video gamey feel of it, you know, yeah. and the classic, mm-hmm. classic old games. So yeah, no, it's a good point. And I'm excited to continue the series with you. So, yeah. Yeah. I'd love to, I'd updates. love to follow that saga as you continue. Uh, but the other game I've been really putting my time into like Ascension is one I've, I've, you know, dabbled in, but the one I've really put a good chunk of time into is death loop, uh, continuing on with it. Honestly, I should be finished with it. I don't know how long the average time is. Let me check how long it is to beat typically. Um, it's, it's, it's its own type of game, man. Like, sure. It is so original. I love it for that. Um, like there are so, I was thinking about, I was like, there are so many different triple a games from so many different studios and they're all like similar. Like it's all open world. Like they, it, it doesn't matter who the developer is. It seems like, like they kind of borrow from each other a lot. So for, This game, okay, so it says 15 and a half hours. I think I'm, like, right there. Honestly, I feel like I could have finished it already if I had focused. But I, it's just so refreshing to play this game that has the AAA quality behind it but is not an open world or even just, like, a linear game. It's its yeah. own fun thing. Um, and I have been thoroughly convinced that being stuck in a time loop would be hell uh, based on how this game's narrative <laughs> has been playing out. But uh, it's great, man. Like, Arcane, it, they've got something special there. And I have just discovered this studio. Like, I don't know how I missed this. With Dishonored sure. and that experience in 2021 and now now with Deathloop in 2022, I'm like chopping at the bit like i am i am loving and thoroughly enjoying this game and every aspect of it there has been some pushback because it's not as full of content per se as another 
perhaps triple a game would be um there's four main areas so you're on one island there's four areas there's four parts of the day it's morning noon afternoon and night and you basically pick which part of the island you want to spend which portion of your day and then those change based on the time of day so like enemy um placement changes sometimes there's different events and stuff going on um it also which is a kind of a trick but it will also drop you off in different spots on that particular portion of the island every uh depending on the time of day that you're going on so at first like for instance there's one that's called carl's bay and i remember when i first went to carl's bay in the morning i had this particular idea of what it was like in my head because i had followed a particular route had gone through like three or four different buildings and then had gone back to escape for that particular portion of the day and then when i went to carl's bay in the afternoon it dropped me off in a different part of the map to start and i for some reason thought it was a whole new map i was like wow okay i thought i thought that this was going to be the same thing you know and 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 it was but it was in a different portion so like i was seeing a new angle of but then i kind of happened upon the previous portion that i had been on before and i was like oh okay so it's a bit of a trick like they they dropped me off in a different spot just to make it feel a little different um but it's the same area so in that respect you can see through like some of the little tricks and things that they do to to make the world seem denser than it actually is so i can see why people could complain about that sort of thing you know, like, I think it could really, if you really wanted to add more content to this thing, maybe add in, like, a fifth area or even a sixth. Although, at that point, it might get a little too out of hand. Um, but for me, like, uh, I'm a full-time teacher. You know, I've only got so many hours in the week. Having this slightly smaller experience, 15 hours is the average time to beat it, is perfect. And and the world is detailed enough that I'm always making new discoveries I'm always finding secret routes. Um, I'm always thinking of better ways to get around enemies. And so for that reason, like the progression that you feel as you loop, as you continue to explore, as you go back to these areas and try another attempt at one of these particular objectives, whatever it may be, um, you're learning, you're growing, and you're, you're seeing your um, arsenal improve. You're seeing your own abilities improve. You're getting a better understanding of the map so you can take advantage of that. And it still keeps you on your toes. I'm at the point now, like, I've turned a corner, I can tell, um, where I'm just very OP. So I'm kind of like this godlike figure running around and, like, destroying everybody in my path. But um, for a long... There's always a love-hate relationship with that moment. <laughs> right? No, I totally agree. Like, totally love-hate, because you, you miss... Like, at that point, you definitely miss the tension that was there for most of your playthrough. Um, but you also feel so rewarded for the work and effort that you put into it you know so it's a give and take bittersweet sort of thing but um yeah man i'm loving it loving it so much and we could talk about the story the banter honestly it has it gives me a ton of hades vibes in not only the banter but because it is it's a time loop you're in one day it's so right. for that reason it, it feels like a roguelike it has like that okay starting yeah. over at the beginning i can like, see that so for yeah. and it's not a roguelike I don't think you could call it a roguelike. It's it's very different from that, um, but it's fun. It's a stealth game, but you can, especially towards the end, you can just like burst in a door and just like rip apart through these hordes of people, and it's awesome. It's it's 
It's really, really, really well designed. It has its own unique, um, even just like graphic style and sure. especially like advertising like campaign, like the way they just committed to all this originality. Um, I love it. I love it for that. And um, I will probably play this beyond the end. Honestly, the end of it is not my goal at this point because I'm just thoroughly enjoying discovering new parts of these you know, aspects of the island and uh, discovering new ways to go and attack people and so on and so forth that um, I'm going to try and get as much out of this little island before I completely finish it. And the way to, the, the, to win is to basically you have to kill, there's eight visionaries, um, nine including yourself, and you have to kill everybody and that will destabilize the time loop. Um, and then you win. So your whole process is figuring out who you can kill at the same time. So when do we have two of those visionaries together or when are there going to be three of them in the same spot? And so you're kind of like following leads and putting together clues and whatnot as you're exploring. So it, it's it's great in that respect. It's very open-ended in that you can just go and follow whichever objective you want to do um, to start first. And for that reason, it's a great game. I uh, couldn't recommend it more. Uh, there's been a lot of hate for it. I don't know why. <laughs> I think it just, <laughs> it's just the guys, you know, who have been playing 100 plus hours of Persona 5 and like desperately just are all about you know content lasting into the 100 hour mark i'm like you know what even if it's smaller it's the perfect experience for me so highly recommend highly recommend uh coffee talk jared what is this okay uh before i say that do you before i tell you did you and karina finish it takes two or did you drop it we have not dropped it nor finished so we just have not had the time to play it we actually played it a little bit last weekend but um not since then Okay, so gotcha. I was just curious, just curious. That's still in the running, for sure, for potential, you know, at the end of the evening, what are we going to do? It sure. Takes Two is on that list, but um, we haven't finished it yet. So Coffee Talk is a very simple game. You play as a barista in a coffee shop in a kind of a modern parallel world in which all races and demi races are represented. So werewolves, vampires, um, fish people, cat people, whatever else. And you play as a barista who makes them their favorite drink um, or something that they're feeling. You're given a set a list of ingredients, and then you listen to them talk to each other, talk to you. You you know you kind of like watch through the eyes of this character as it happens. It's very like. You know, and lo-fi music or like just easy listening pop music is playing in the background, wordless, just instrumental. And I don't know. There's just it was it was recommended to me, and I've uh, just started it. I don't hate it. I don't love it. I don't. Um, I is don't this on the Switch? Anyway. Yeah, it's on the Switch. Okay. And uh, just kind of a very simple game. It's pixelated a little bit, but um, so it feels old timey. But um, I don't really know too much about the details of when it was created. Very simple. And I think the Switch has really carved out a market, which is I feel, been necessary. They just don't have enough big-hitting games to compete with the big boys. So when they have their you know, Nintendo Switch marketplace and they're offering you some, some of these like very high-quality indie games for like $3.99, you just can't beat that stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, these little experiences. And this is one of them. 
I don't know that it's for everyone. I feel like a lot of people would find it boring, but so far I'm enjoying it. It's very simple, um, very like socially oriented, people oriented. Um, you're just talking to these people through their problems and watching them interact with each other as well. So uh, very hands-off really, but um, yeah, it's interesting. Figured Good. I'd mention it. Yeah, for sure. Shout out to Coffee Talk. All right, let's jump into the strange default segment. this default segment a simple question here does mario count as an open world rpg what do you think you know i don't know so like the reason um you know the the reason i asked this question um is because uh when you're playing mario odyssey right mm-hmm. there is a lish there is a um limit pardon me there's a limit to where you can go so if if you're you know going through um new donk city or whatever else if you drop off the edge or something you're you know you're gone there's a limit but then there's also like a limit to breath of the wild at the far reaches of the map there is you know a drop-off point or the ocean in which you can't go any further same with horizon zero dawn there's a point at which you say you're leaving the game area you will be returned shortly and, you know, it's not really like a hard line, but it's just kind of a set boundary. And there's maps, the part of the map that's blocked off and you can't go there. So what, is it just the size of the map that makes an open world RPG? Because if that's the case, then Mario just has smaller maps. But if it's, it's about, you know, what, and where does that come into? Because I find myself craving Mario Odyssey and Mario Sunshine in the same way that I crave open world RPGs when I haven't mm-hmm. played them in a while. Like I was playing, Sam, you know, when we were playing through Metroid Dread, which is one of those AAA games that doesn't follow the typical RPG formula but still stands out, I found myself missing some of the fluidity of a 3D, you know, kind of a look around free, free range movement situation, an open world RPG essentially, because I was con- constrained by the 2D platformer view. And, you know, you miss the, your favorite niche or you miss your favorite thing. And I'm just wondering, like, do you think of Mario as an open world RPG in... If so, or if not, why? Yeah, good. You know, it's it's a funny thought because it's definitely one I've heard arguments about. I don't think you could call it an open world RPG. And here's why. Uh, first off, it's missing a lot of RPG elements. Now, Odyssey adds in some of that. You've got like the costumes, but that's about it. Otherwise, you don't have the leveling up, you don't have the armor, you don't have the weapons, all that stuff, you know, that I would consider a part, a crucial aspect of typical RPGs. So in that respect, I don't know if you could call it an RPG. Now, if, could you call it an open world platformer? That's the next question. And even that, I'll say no. Instead, here's the term I'd use. I'd call it a sandbox platformer. 
And I think that was the original term. In fact, I think that's the term that kind of started to crop up when you had a lot of Nintendo 64 games jumping into 3D. You had Super Mario 64. You had Zelda Ocarina of Time. Ocarina of Time was, at that time, what you would think of when you think of an open world. But when you go and look at it now, it's definitely a lot more of a sandbox where you've got these little sandboxes that are connected through hallways, doorways, whatever it may be, pathways, and they open up into other sandbox areas, but they're not necessarily all interconnected on the level of an open world. So, like Horizon, the open world, you can literally dart across the map in a straight line, you know, and get from one place to the other. Whereas, typically in a sandbox game, there's one entrance and one exit. Um, And that's typically the case for Mario as well. Like, Mario goes into the sandbox... He explores there, so it has that exploration element and that discovery element, you know, that you love in an open world game, but it's it's a lot more self-enclosed than if you had just one grandiose world. That being said, Jared, they introduce a lot of open world RPG elements in Bowser's Fury that came out last year. That is a great example of, like, if you wanted to make Mario an open world RPG, that's how you do it. Um... And that that version of Mario was so exciting when playing Bowser's Fury, but it was just a taste that I really hope they really try to go for. I don't know if they will. Mario's their baby, and they know that sandbox and platform levels work, so they tend not to risk too much with that formula. They'll add on new themes, right? Galaxy or Sunshine or whatever, but... We'll see. I mean, Bowser's Fury was an experiment in that direction, so I'd love to see if that ends up happening, but my distinction would be sandbox versus open world. Does that make sense to you? I'm not sure if that, it, clarifies, no, it does. If that clarifies it or does. muddies it up. <laughs> yeah, no, it does, because if you think of Mario Odyssey specifically, and that's the most recent Mario game I've played, but it also follows the same same idea with um, Mario Sunshine in the sense that, like, yes, doorways and hallways connecting worlds as opposed to one giant single world with an edge. Um, So I do see what you're saying. Like even as I was describing it, I was like, I wonder if I'm answering my own question because what makes uh, Mario Odyssey um, not open world is the fact that you have to travel between areas. Mm -hmm. Um, You can't just get, you know, they don't bleed into each other. They are yeah. separate areas. So I guess that does that it does answer the question. I, I'm a little fuzzy on the definition of sandbox, but I think I get the the general idea. You and know, two, I think I was I, just going to say sandbox uh, was kind of the word that was used before open world. So in many gotcha. cases, they are interchangeable, which is why mm-hmm. it might be confusing as well. But I, but the first, you know, when you think of mass open world and the popularity of them, you think of games like Grand Theft Auto. Skyrim, Far Cry, like these are in their own way distinctly different from Mario games in which, you know, the, the, you know, Odyssey and Sunshine uh, as well as 64 generally just have like, you have one tool and you apply it to everything as opposed to an open world like Skyrim, you can use magic or weapons or Far Cry, you can use guns or explosives or stealth or whatever else. Mario, there's no option to use stealth. You know what I mean? So stuff, I do, I do kind of, but I just, for the sake of, you know, when I feel like playing an open world or run around kind of whatever else, I guess sandbox also, you know, satisfies that craving. And in a sense, you know, I think Mario does fill that void. So I don't know. It's just like something I was thinking about, you know what I mean? Like 
functionally, and when I'm looking for something, Mario does pop to my mind as, man, I'd love a new Mario game, or sometimes I'll go revisit Odyssey a little bit. So, And I do still have the um, that game you gave me that's got um, uh, Galaxy. Oh, Galaxy. I forgot about that one, too. That's another 3D All-Stars. Galaxy. Yeah, the 3D All-Stars game. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, it's just a question I was thinking about. Yeah, the the comparison I was about to make that I think might be a good one too, Jared, is Dark Souls versus what Elden Ring I'm assuming is going to be. Mm. There's a there's just like a it's even it's hard to pinpoint it down, but there is a different <laughs> philosophy entirely behind even just the world design when you're trying to put in place an open world as opposed to a interconnected world like dark souls that is just smaller areas that you can explore and find discoveries in but are connected through doorways and hallways and are limited you know and even the first dark souls subverts a lot of that so that one's kind of a bad comparison if you played if you had played jared the, the second and the third one though those ones are much more akin to like a mario odyssey where you just like oh you're on your ship and you go to that next area you know there's not like a there's not even like a, a path that connects them. It's like you literally go up into your hub and then you go down onto the level. Um, kind of like Skyward Sword, <laughs> which we're about to get to. Um, so I would think like Dark Souls, the original, is a good example of like what Mario right now is. And then Elden Ring, which we'll see if this ends up coming to fruition, but Elden Ring would be like that potential of what true open world Mario, like that next step would be. Sure. Um, sure. So anyway, I mentioned it, so let's jump into it, Jared. Let's talk about our pick of the week, and of course this week is The Legend of Zelda Skyward Sword. Jared, your opinion on this is so cherished by me. I <laughs> I have so many outside opinions in my mind. I have my own opinion, but you're coming in here with the eyeballs of a casual who has only played Breath of the Wild. That is such a unique viewpoint, Jared. So tell me, what were your overall impressions of The Legend of Zelda Skyward Sword? So, I felt uh, woefully inadequate um, playing through this game because I felt like I felt like I had a little Zelda fan sitting on my right shoulder saying, "Isn't this so magical and wonderful?" And I had an evil Zelda hater on my left shoulder saying, "Isn't this so boring and old?" <laughs> and I, I was constantly f- like, like, um, t- you know, trying to trying to um, you know, be the bridge between these two individuals that are sitting on my shoulders as I'm playing this game because uh, I, while I love 
I don't know. I don't even know. I don't even know if I like the game. Genuinely. <laughs> like I I played through the whole thing and I oh, finished man. it and I just can't tell if I like it or not. Like <laughs> okay, okay, let's parse through the details then here, dude, yes. cuz cuz this is Skyward Sword. What you were explaining to me or the lack of explanation is Skyward Sword. Like you are now seeing why the controversy around this game is what it is it's been what 10 years now 10 plus since the game came out and there are still debates on whether it is just truly an awful game or whether it is the best zelda game and yeah it's hard to parse out because i really do think it is a game that has such great like lofted high points and then it also has these things that are with you and nagging you and bothering you the entire time that those high points just fade in their splendor. And that's Skyward Sword. So let's let's start here. Okay, so overall impressions is just, ah, we don't know. So let's ask here now, Jared. Motion controls. I think that's that's the crux of this whole game. That is what this game was built on. That was the problem. In fact, the only reason this game, as far as I'm concerned, was made was because Nintendo felt like they had to prove that motion controls was more than just a gimmick. So what do you think? Did it pay off or no? The motion con- controls was what made this game the most tedious. Um, it was also, like, I feel like the idea behind... Motion controlling, you know, a sword as it slashes through the whatever else. That's almost like ahead of its time. Because I want you to I want you to think about taking your controller and using using it to slash with Link's sword and fast forward ten years, and that's what we're doing with the Oculus. So I don't like you see what I'm saying? Like yes. all you had to do is put on a VR headset, and yes, I'm totally with you. That's modern, that's so that's so new, that's so you know, whatever else. But when you take it back to the Wii, it's woefully inadequate. And it's so tedious. And I it just it lacks fluidity. It's so rigid. It feels forced. It feels it just not... It doesn't feel good. I think it's designed to feel good, and it doesn't feel good. And so, I don't know. I, I just don't feel like... I, I wanted to... I turned it off several times for a couple of different reasons. One of them being the swimming hmm. mechanic... And the flying mm. mechanic are both so much easier without motion control because it's just so rickety. It just doesn't, ugh, it yeah. feels awful. Um, as far as the combat, you get used to that. So that's less, although we talk, we're going to talk about the Grame fight, I'm sure, but uh, the Demon Lord fight. But the yeah, the, the motion controls are, I don't know, they're just weak. They, they really don't hold up well years later, even with the Switch, which is just you know an improved design over the Wii from what I can tell. It just doesn't. Ugh, it doesn't age well, I don't think. So it is, it is, that's the most tedious part. Um, I really For, don't know if it has any redeeming qualities, honestly, other than sometimes the <laughs> combat can be satisfying. Sometimes. Are you talking about the motion controls or the game the, as a whole? The motion controls, the motion controls. <laughs> okay. Yeah, no, no, no. I was no, like, no. woo, all right, Jared, setting up. No, 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 not, I'm not about to bury taking it. Taking the side I don't here. Even know if, I don't even know if I like it. Can you imagine going up to someone and being like, all right, we've had six or seven dates. 
what do you think? And you're just like, I don't even know if I like you. Like, that's kind of an insult to say that, but I really don't mean it in that way. I just genuinely don't know how to feel about this game. It it doesn't make me feel anything. So I don't know. It was some frustration with the motion control for sure. But at the same time, there are some elements that are really enjoyable. For instance, a very specific, the bow, I actually enjoy aiming with the bow with my motion control. That's fine. You're at a fixed yeah. point, and you're aiming, and you're shooting baddies with it. The slingshot, same same mechanic. Or the claw shot, where you shoot the claw at the target specifically, and it drags you to it. And then you reset and do it all over. So you're kind of like aiming a little bit. Those are those are fairly enjoyable. But but having to lift your controller up in the air to get your sword up in the air to get a skyward strike, or having to lift it up to indicate you want to throw the bomb instead of roll it, and then you got to point it down to roll it, like... Some of these things are just, ugh, it just doesn't mesh well with what you're trying to get me to do here. So it was a love-hate relationship with the motion controls for sure. Did you feel the same way? Am I alone in this? You know, I was going to say, for the Switch, I think you can tell that the the original motion control setup just doesn't translate very well. I'm not sure why that is, because you would think that the Switch controllers should be better, but... I think the the um, sensor bar that you had for the Wii plus the Wii Motion Plus gave you a better level of accuracy than what this Skyward Sword HD remake is giving us. And yeah. I think that definitely plays into the frustration. That being said, even back then, that was not perfect. And even I have not been able to verify if what I'm saying is true. So who knows? Maybe it has been broken this whole time. But I, I will say... what What doesn't help... Well, finish your thought, and then I'll say what what doesn't help. I was just going to say, I I will say that the Switch version does feel like, to me, like it's it's worse. Like, it feels Mm. a lot less accurate, and Mm. I I was struggling with it for that reason. I switched over to the control mapping, you know, or the controller, like, where you're just doing it with the um, stick and whatnot, and, and that didn't feel, like, it felt wrong to me. Yeah. Because the whole conceit behind this game was, hey, let's fully realize motion. So yes. to switch back to that, just it definitely felt like it was shoehorned in, which it was, obviously. But yeah, I, I, I do feel like the Switch version does have that issue here, which is what the, that was the point I was going to make. And I think, I think part of that, too, is because the Switch, like, it can be docked. But it can also be separated, and when you're over a friend's house and they don't have a Switch but you still want to play this game, it can be set down on the coffee table with its little leg stand and played that way. And it can also be played handheld. So you're dealing with something as opposed to the Wii, which was a stationary that doesn't move, that sits by right. your TV, and you aim specifically at the sensor. So it, give, it really gives you like what I'm going to call a center of gravity, although that's the wrong. It gives you a center point to focus on. And the Switch doesn't do that. If you try to undock this thing while you're playing Skyward Sword and set it, like, on your lap while you play, motion control is a nightmare. It's even worse. Like, take everything I'm saying and triple make it worse. It's it's really not good. And so you have to, like, set it and set it and forget it and dock it, and it takes away some of the portability of the Switch. And so, but you can see, like, the tech on the top of the controller, that's where your sensor, like, comes out. So there is a little bit of, like... You know what? I don't know. It just feels like the because of the switch, the way it's designed to be portable and move around, limiting this game to only one, one or two ways of using the switch feels against 
what makes this such a great console. Yeah. Um, I don't I don't know if that's a ton of it, but I just noticed like I had to dock this game or else no hope of using motion control. Yeah. Um, no, I think you're touching on something though. Not using motion control, honestly. Yeah. And I think you're touching on something that even like Karina and I had said when this game was announced was like, why this one? Like why right. this one? Because it was built for specifically the Wii Motion Plus sensor, which is insane to me that Nintendo would commit one of their top-tier franchises to what was a peripheral for an aging system, the Wii, that was going to be replaced by something else in the future, and they went all in, no holes barred. Like, let's put all of our chips on like in this one move, and they went for it, great for them. Um, and I think in the time, like back then, in that era, it did pay off. And in that era, you could say that it was one of the better Zelda games, but it should have stayed there. Uh, in my opinion, like it should be trapped on the Wii because it doesn't yeah. translate. Like when you try to take it to something, even like the Switch that has a lot of diversity, that has a lot of, you know, motion built into it and, and different features that you could probably take advantage of it's not the same game. Like, it's not, because it was always built to be specifically an example of what the Wii Motion Plus could do. And in that way, that original decision, you know, capital O, capital D, the original decision that Nintendo made here um, to display their motion sensors has doomed this game to be stuck on, to be stuck on that platform for its entire existence. And they refuse to admit that they tried to port it to the switch and you're seeing the effects of that i think as a result yeah i i don't i i think of the wii like to be honest with you one of my favorite wii games ever was cabela's wild hunt Heck now, yeah. now here now hear me out think of why that is it's a state it, it capitalizes on the best of the motion feature by taking you into arcade mode, which is something that all of us as kids love to play, but you know, maybe our parents didn't have quarters on them at the time. You know, and so we saw the Cabela's Wild Hunt in the arcade in the in the the mall. We were waiting for mom to get her hair done, and she wasn't paying attention to us all week, so we were emotionally stunted. So we needed some kind of outlet for our violence, and it happened to be Cabela's. Am I alone? Maybe. <laughs> um so the the that whole like concept was excellently accomplished in the Wii because the controller didn't really move from the center of the screen. You really only had the, you had the gun and it was placed in this cool plastic casing and uh, it was, you know, really, um, you know, I don't know. It just always was aiming at the screen so you didn't have to worry about losing it. Like sometimes when you're Wii bowling, you know, um, your character will throw the bowling ball through the ceiling and you're like, oh, what? that's not what yeah, I, meant I know to what do you mean at, at all. And so with the with the Cabela's thing, I don't know, just capitalize on the best of the motion capture there. The as accuracy opposed, you know, is guaranteed. Yeah, the accuracy, exactly, exactly. And this game just can't do that because you're trying, you're asking too much. You're asking for big sweeping sword motions when in reality what you want is my little wrist to flick a little bit, you know, here and there. And so it just to, it's right. just lets you down a little bit. Um, and I love. I don't get me wrong. The Wii was absolutely necessary. Do you remember the hype surrounding the Wii? The two oh, yeah, Asian dude. gentlemen coming to your door, bowing and handing you this controller, <laughs> and you know, <laughs> you know, classic Wii. commercial. Yes, such good marketing, and I think the world needed it. It was so much fun. It was so lighthearted, and Nintendo does family friendly better than any other uh, company. 
and and to in my mind even better than Disney sometimes. So mm. it's really just the best of the best, and I think it was great. But you know, for serious, I don't know, adult, I'll, I'll say rather, gamers, it just is going to feel wrong. Either way you play it, it's going to feel old, motion control, and it's going to feel wrong if you don't play it motion control. It just doesn't hold up. I think if you were to remake Ocarina, not Ocarina, uh, Wind Waker, and then, you know, when he specifically does like the up, down, and writes the song briefly, that might be great for motion control, maybe. I don't know, just a quick movement there. But I don't know. I just, I feel like, from what I've heard from Zelda fans, and this is going to be a, a great segue because why I also feel woefully inadequate, but from what I hear from Zelda fans, you and Karina, as well as others that I've talked to, this was not the one we wanted remade. It was not. No. Um, so, but it, I mean, it does make sense. It's the most backwards compatible. I mean, it's the most recent game, I think, right? Before Breath of the Wild. So, yeah, I mean... I think there's, like, as far as, like, this one being remade, I think a part of that is because of what Skyward, not Skyward Sword, Breath of the Wild 2 is going to be, having that sky element to it. Plus, it was one they had not done yet. They've done Twilight Princess, they've done Wind Waker, they've done Ocarina of Time, so it's like, okay, here's the last one we haven't done. But that original decision to make this whole game about motion controls, it alienates people. Like, it isolates groups of people who, obviously, if you if you have any handicaps, if you have a hard time dealing with motion control at all, you're done. You can't play this game. Um, yeah. If you're not playing on the Wii with the Wii Motion Plus, I think you're done. It's not going to be worth it because it's, it's stuck on that platform because of that decision. So, and the whole game reflects that original decision. Like, it is everywhere. It is ingrained into every dungeon, into every item. And... For that reason, it it alienates people because you're either for the motion or you're against it. And if you're yeah. against it, they do their darndest to convince you that, hey, this is still a good game. And you know what? I think because of that, it delivers on some level, uh, especially with the story and the characters that no other Zelda game has. I think that was because they were trying to compensate for the fact that people weren't going to like the motion. Um, so you got that diamond in the rough from that, but nonetheless, like if you don't like that motion inherently, then the whole game commits to it. So you are going to have a hard time the entire stinking time. And when it came out in 2011, I think, um, I was all for it. I was on board. I wanted the motion. I gave it the benefit of the doubt. I played through it twice and even then, I could see its flaws. I was a man who was on charge with them or on board with emotion, and still, I don't think it necessarily reaches the heights that other Zelda games has. So let's talk about some of that as well, Jared. So outside of the motion controls, which we can we'll, and we'll be referencing obviously as we go throughout this whole thing, what do you think about? Let's talk about the dungeons because the dungeons is those are an original Zelda concept that don't appear at least on the same level in Breath of the Wild. So that's something that's, I think, for you, new for a Zelda fan. What did you think of them? Was there any desire to jump into dungeons? Was it an exciting thing, or did it kind of suck every time they popped up? Um, Did you enjoy one in particular over others? What did you think? Did, Did that part of the game excite you? No, it didn't. It didn't excite me per se. I think 
The best part about the dungeons in Breath of the Wild was clever use of mechanics, I felt. Like when you had to like launch, you know, the the can the specific ones that stands out as like the cannon that you have to shoot at the targets and you have to time the the whatever else. And that's just a classic like kind of aim and shoot kind of a thing. So like the dungeons in Breath of the Wild are definitely like puzzles. And the the excitement of finding a shrine was almost split 50-50 between like a new discovery because it's an open world and a new fast travel location which makes more exploring possible. And so the 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 hype around the Breath of the Wild was less about the dungeon itself and more about what it did for you as in, as the as Link exploring the world. This game it felt like just a, con- a continuation of the gameplay. I I really didn't find any of the dungeons to be annoying. I actually really enjoyed that aspect. And that was, you know, my first experience with a Zelda dungeon. And I I did enjoy them. I found the puzzles to be adequately challenging, um, considering, you know, how much mental energy I was planning on spending with this game. You know what I mean? I like games that come at you and say, you know, what difficulty do you want to play this on? Because we're going to provide layers of challenge to you. And then I like other games that are just like, that's what it is. Take it or leave it. And, you know, the best example of that being uh, from software's Dark Souls originally, right? Like, that's that's great. And I like, I, unless I'm mistaken, is there multiple difficulties on this game? Um, so you have the original playthrough, and then you can do Master Quest, I'm pretty sure, which does oh, okay. increase the difficulty, but that is a post-game, like, that's if you want to play through it again. Sort no, of difficulty. I, Otherwise, no, they don't give you an option. No, it's just right. And I felt like the challenge for each of the dungeons and the challenge for the baddies and what they asked you to do was adequate for, you know, what they were saying, which is like, hey, just this is it. This is what we hand to you. Here we go. It wasn't too easy. It wasn't too hard. Um, I wasn't racking my mind like, you know, my goodness, this is ridiculous. I was just like pleasantly like, okay, I'm not sure where I need to go next. What's up? And so I, I enjoyed that. I really did enjoy all of the dungeons. Now, Here's where I'm not sure. Because I enjoyed the dungeons, the game's constant relayering and resurfacing and like taking you back to the same three areas to oh, kind man. of like do a new version in that area, I really was like <sighs> That's perfect that segue, part- Jared. Let's talk about it. World design. Yeah. Skyward Sword is infamous for its three area hubs that go through what three different changes or at least you go to them three different times and are so limited so if you go back and and jared i want you to please play another zelda game (laughs) because skyward sword is an anomaly if you go back and play twilight princess ocarina of time majora's mask um all those games you are going to just experience something different because this game skyward sword is so more linear than those ones because of the fact that it is tying itself to those three areas what you have the forest was a Farron woods and then you have the volcano and the desert which of the three which is your favorite just quick question as far as like the the most enjoyable with like puzzles and verticality and world design. You spend a lot on each three, a lot of time. You do. You spend (laughs) a lot of time. I I really did find, um, I found Elden Volcano to be my, my favorite. You spend the most time in Farrow Woods because, because of the Temple of Time. Yeah. Wow. And so, and and I did like, um, the, I felt the Farron Woods was the most 
versatile of the three areas, to be frank. Um, because huh. they relayer it several times, like the water when it when it floods and fills with water. While the swimming was tedious, I did did not see that coming, and I yeah. felt that that was a clever way to introduce verticality into the game. Uh, sure. Is to flood an insanely large area. So I I did actually enjoy that. Um, as far as like just overall the good balance between not finding it tedious and enjoying layout and and enemies and puzzle design and stuff. I actually did like Elden Volcano the most. And that's partially because Lanario Desert uh, felt like it just dragged. It was so wide instead of deep. I don't know. So Lanario Desert is like three separate areas. Each time you go back, it is within the desert, but it's three separate areas. So you have the dragon that you have to fix the third time through. You get the ship you have to worry about the second time through. And then you have the main hub area that you have to conquer the first time through. And so it does feel like three different areas. I felt like the best combination of layering and different puzzles and stuff actually happened in Elden Volcano. That's just a personal preference. I felt like the desert was the weakest of the three and the forest and volcano kind of a toss up, but I like the volcano more. Um, That's hilarious because I'm absolutely flipped on that. Okay, like totally. So tell me, tell, me about, tell me your thoughts. Yeah. I think the desert is my favorite because it gives you something different every time and the yeah, other two okay. are my least favorite. Or, well, out of the three... Alden Volcano is actually my least favorite because especially the last time because the last time is when they throw in that wrench so with the woods you go back and it's flooded for the volcano the wrench they throw at you is just that the volcano explodes and I'm like okay (laughs) like that did not seem original to me it was like okay I guess that makes sense I would push but it back seemed a little only, lazy, especially when I kept into account the flood that had happened before or the pirate ship and going out onto this lake. And I love the conceit. I love in the desert that concept of the time back and yes. forth. Yes. That stuff really, like in my mind, like sealed the fact that that was my favorite area because yeah. they did such a clever job of like, and I love that they showed like the past was actually futuristic. <laughs> Whereas the future is like apocalyptic in a desert now, but back in, you know, a hundred thousand years ago is actually when there was like all kinds of technology and stuff like that was cool to me. Yeah. Um, So I very much differ in that respect. That being said, these areas were, and I remember even going into this game kind of worrying about that because the way that they talked about it was like, Hey, we have dungeons with zelda games and dungeons have always been about puzzles and using particular items what if we took some of the elements of a dungeon and put them into the overworld which kind of concerned me because you want the puzzles to be in the dungeons but you almost want them secluded to that so that you can have the overworld as an area to of course traverse um, to have major epic conflicts, uh, you know, major battles or chases or whatever it may be, um, side quests, all that other stuff, but you don't necessarily need the puzzles there because they're being utilized in a bunch of different other ways. And now with Skyward Sword, they're utilizing those three areas as basically dungeons, and they do that three or f- three different times with each area where. They mix it up, they add in more puzzles, you're going in and doing some side puzzle thingy in order to even unlock the dungeon, and for that reason, this whole game, at least to me, feels like just one long puzzle-solving quest. Right. And that's not Zelda. 
And that is where I have my biggest gripe with this game is that it's not in my mind truly a Zelda game. This is a epic. Okay, it is an epic. I think so. Like story wise, you cannot deny that. But it is a straightforward like they wanted this to be a movie or they wanted this to be just a a plot line and they added in a bunch of puzzles to fill it in. And that's where this game to me falls flat on its face as a Zelda game and really does um, come up short compared to other titles. I, and I think that's fair. I would push back only slightly because I felt like Elden Volcano's third layer was taking your weapons away and you had to, you had to re like find them. That is true. Kind of use your wits a little bit. So it was about the volcano exploding and it was a bit far-fetched that like it exploded. They found you and took your weapons and then kind of left you and you had to like Which, work your way. Now that you bring that up, that was one of my favorite moments in breath of the wild. When you went to that particular Island and yes. they took away all your items, like that was yep. like such a refreshing moment. So in that Dude, way, I, yeah. you're not wrong. Totally great challenge in breath of the wild. That's a good point. I, I just would say that like the, the most clever mechanic in the game was, um, I guess Farron was like should have seen coming, but the fact that they flooded the entire thing, I just liked that level of verticality. I felt like is the word I keep using, but I I enjoyed that Nereu Desert. While I did enjoy the time skip, it just felt like that area every single time I went back there, except for like riding around in the little rowboat shooting cannons. That was super fun. Um, it felt like every time I went back there, it was just it took a long time. It was very tedious. It involved a lot of like jumping around. The area was so massive, um, and while it was the most comprehensive of the three in size, it just felt like I don't know funky at times. I guess, um, but maybe that's also because I hated the music in that side of the map. I much preferred. <laughs> I know, and that's weird. Like that's such a weird thing to say, but I I think it is true. Like just like fr- like uh, Dark Souls' lack of music is haunting at times. Um, what is annoying is like bad music sometimes. And I felt like Lenario's music was like, ugh, I didn't care for it. It was clingy and clanky. I didn't care for it. Um, so Josh, I have to ask you like rank. I've, I've probably already asked you this, but it's relevant for this podcast. Rank your favorite Zelda games from like in top five, like one to five. I know there's like what? 12 plus or something like that. There's a lot. Maybe. Yeah. There's a lot of them. Rank your favorite one to five. Um, and then tell me why Skyward Sword is, you're not, not in there. Um, well, Skyward Sword is definitely not in there. Number one is hard to say right off the top of my head. Honestly, it depends oftentimes on which one I've played more recently, but I think if I had to give it to a particular title, I would give it to a link to the past, which is on the SNES. Okay. Only because that's the game that, like, to me, is the original spirit of The Legend of Zelda that sure. has made all the other games special. So, for that reason, I give it the nod. Um, but the other games uh, in that top five are all interchangeable. They would be, for me, without a doubt, Ocarina of Time, um, Wind Waker, Twilight Princess, Spirit Tracks, and then A Link Between Worlds. Those would be my top five. And there's a lot of reasons why Skyward Sword is not in there. The world design is a big reason why. Uh, the motion controls, of course, is another reason why. Um, the story is the biggest thing going for it. But even in that, it has some issues. 
Um, but all that to say, you know, Skyward Sword is still a Zelda game. Like, you've got all kinds of great moments, and you've got all kinds of um, discoveries. And, and something we didn't talk about with dungeons, Jared, and something I want to get your opinion on is, like, what did you think of the items that are introduced and the way that they're used in the puzzles? Because that's a big thing with Zelda is, like, typically a dungeon has an item theme, and you're utilizing that item in a variety of different ways. And that's the case with Skyward Sword. So um, what did you think of that? Because unlike Breath of the Wild with its particular um, shrines, your your tools are already in your tool belt. Whereas with Skyward Sword's dungeons, you're given the whip for the first time. Or you have the the infinite uh, wind that comes out of that genie sack. I don't even know what that one is called, but... um, (laughs) Or the beetle, like those parts of the dungeons, those parts of the game, did those excite you? Were you happy to find those new items? Were the puzzles rewarding? What did you think of that? Yeah, I I felt like this game, rather than capitalizing on quality, really went really went for a quantity approach, um, mm. in the sense that like functionally there's no difference between the slingshot and the bow and arrow it you know you draw and shoot and that they hit a target and you know that's that i you know what you're supposed to do you really can't you know kill anything with a bow and arrow except the floating frogs and the lava or the water or whatever um and the slingshot also has some limited uses in whatever you know i don't so it felt like they had a, a quantity mindset over a quality mindset and that's the same thing with like how many things can we pack into these three worlds? Let's go quantity over quality. And so I, I enjoyed the dungeons and the tools. You know, I had my favorites. Obviously, I love the claws. Um, although the shape of the balloons that you grab onto was really sus. Um, but the the claws the shape? Like, yeah. <laughs> you yeah. might need to remind me about that. I, I don't know. What I you're don't need about. to remind you about the shape. They just were, you know, hanging spheres <laughs> with Okay. Just, all right, all right. Yeah. I've heard so enough. I, it just, you know, I, I don't know. The, but the claws were my favorite and the the items having to use the you know, the bow nerf sometimes and the gust bellows for another time and the beetle was really I thought fun and I felt like the beetle made the most sense with the motion control as far as, you know, puzzle solving. They tried to work yes. that in there. But again, I've just seen a lot of those mechanics before mm-hmm. um in in other games. So maybe I'm just late to the party. Maybe it was really great, you know maybe it was um groundbreaking at the time. I just felt like I kept thinking to myself while I was playing this game, and that's, that's the reason I asked you to rank your favorite games is because I'm just like, what about the Zelda essence is missing in Skyward Sword? Why is it that everyone I talk to prefers mm. Ocarina or Majora's Mask or you know Wind Waker especially? I hear that one a lot. Maybe it's just my friends, but I don't know. It's Outside of Breath of the Wild, those are the games that people think of as like great introductions yeah. of the series. And you know, while this game has all of the elements that you you would recognize, like the try everything, everything comes in threes. The Triforce, the three spirits, the three dragons, the every, everything comes in threes. Even you know, I don't know what that you know, just a weird fixation. Three layers, three lands, three areas. You have to go through each three times. Um, all this different stuff. It's just funny. But you know, Beetle is there. Impa is there. These are characters that you're familiar with. And um, while 
and and let me just say this too as a side note i did miss the voice acting in breath of the wild maybe that shocked some people but i did actually miss it i actually felt like other than zelda herself all of the characters oh and the rito dude he was a jerk other than <laughs> zelda and the rito dude all of the characters voice acting was actually really enjoyable um and while i think it's great that link will never get a voice i think that's funny um I, I enjoyed that, and I did miss that other than the weird guttural grunts and, you know, you get from these characters, which is just weird. I was like, where is the Zelda magic in this game? Because largely the layout design, the world design, the motion control just took away from the magic for me. Um, yes. So I, I was like, that's why I asked you that question. I was like trying to pinpoint where the magic went between those games and this game, and you're, sure. you're pointing to a lot of things. But I just, again... I love Zelda is like a long-term relationship. There's just going to be some armpit hair. There's going to be some flaws, some <laughs> funk, and you just got to love her through it. You know what I mean? And, you know, sometimes she doesn't shave her legs. It's okay. That's great. Good for empowering women. And, it, but it is what it is. So you got to love it through the lumps, but like, where, where's the magic? I just didn't feel the magic in this game. I think that's why I it s- left me with such a bleh, bleh feeling. You know what I mean? Yeah. I agree, and I think the Zelda magic comes from a variety of places. Zelda magic typically comes from its epic storyline. Um, it invokes stories like King Arthur or other fantasy worlds that we've had in history, and for that reason, it, it has that epic feel to it. That's present in Skyward Sword, so mm-hmm. I think that's where some of its Zelda excitement shines through. World design is another major aspect of Zelda's magic, and that's where Skyward Sword falls flat on its face. So A Link to the Past is what I said was my first game, my, my number one game. And that's because Link to the Past, you, you walk out, you go to this castle, you go through the whole you know beginning part where you're setting up the narrative, and then the game literally gives you any direction to go, and you go. And obviously, there's there's some things you're going to need to get to particular places, so not everything is open to you necessarily. But that <laughs> feeling of oh wow, this is this is a quest. Like yeah, I am facing like I'm on top of the mountain, looking down into the valley and across to the other side, and I need to go down there and complete my mission. Like that whole aspect there is just missing in Skyward Sword because you don't have. A world of mystery. You have three small hubs connected to an overworld, the Skyloft area, that is also incredibly small. There's like a a total of six islands you can go to, and only two of them are big. And like that whole part of Zelda is just completely absent. And you can point to the motion controls as well as being a problem with this game. I, I say that the motion controls are not a problem because they are supposed to kind of just add to the gameplay side of what Zelda has always been. And Zelda has never been incredibly complex on the gameplay side, at least until Breath of the Wild. Like the Breath of the Wild combat is very in-depth compared to uh, Twilight Princess's combat, which just requires you to hit the enemy twice, you know, or three times. Um, right. So just bash square, one, two, three, and you're done. Um, the puzzles are where Zelda does have its deep gameplay and skyward sword has that too but that's not the exciting part like that's not the part of what makes zelda special per se so skyward sword is just missing some of those elements yeah that being said it does have 
some of that story in there that I think in its own way contributes to the excitement behind this game and why I think this game, you know, could could be held up in regard to other Zelda games. But like, especially for a newcomer like you, like you're seeing through that bull crap. Like for us, like big fans, we were all about the Zelda timeline. We've bought the the chronological order of the histories of Hyrule, you know, like that big book or whatever. Yeah. And, which I was and reading up on today and trying to understand that you guys are so screwed. <laughs> yes. Yeah. No, there's no answer to all of our problems. So, and, and Miyamoto and Nintendo do not care. Like they literally are all. just making a video game. So we have a lot more higher expectations than what they even have said that they would give us. But nonetheless, like all that, you know, for the fans is, is great and hunky dory. And that's why the story I think at Skyward Sword for me is my favorite, but that's appealing specifically to a Zelda fan. Like for you as a casual who appreciates Zelda and appreciates Nintendo. And of course loves smash bros and has played breath of the wild. Like you're not necessarily tied to all that. So you're able to see through the nostalgia, see through the advertising and see its faults. And for that yeah. reason, that's why you come up and say, yeah, I just don't know. I, 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 as I finished out this game, I don't know if I like it. And yeah. that was something I think a lot of Zelda fans were in denial of when the game came out because of the story, because of its narrative beats that do deliver. And I do want to talk about those. Um, but nonetheless, I think that's where, like, you're, you're asking me to list these five games. I think that's where this game falls short. And um, I, I would say that, like, Breath of the Wild is magical. It has its magic. Despite it being a massive departure from what Zelda typically is, it's there undoubtedly and undeniably um, it does, yeah. throughout the whole game. So it's like, what is missing in the motion control departure from, you know what I'm saying? Using a new tech as the departure from traditionally what they would do, layering on you know three ways to do the same world, etc. cetera. Um, why did it work in Breath of the Wild, but it didn't work in Skyward Sword. Um, I would also just, I, I want, so tell me about, um, I feel like I interrupted your thought there a little bit. So you want to talk about the story now? Uh, we can talk about the story, and I also want to have a side note about the final boss and boss fights in general. So tell me what you love about this story. I want to hear your thoughts while we're thinking about this. Sure. Um, the reason I even brought up the story was because you had asked about what was missing from this game. And I would say, right. like, story-wise, there's nothing missing. Um, right. In fact, Skyward See, Sword, in my opinion, is the single greatest narrative that Zelda has produced. Breath of the Wild doesn't even really? light a can't like can't hold a candle to what like the the origins here. Jared, we are witnessing the origins of the Master Sword. We are witnessing like when you get to the end, you actually see Demise lay the curse upon this trio. Zelda, Link, and Ganon that will now, of course, be uh, tied into this, a curse that will last them into the next several titles, obviously. So, like, they set that up. Like, that's the origin to why we have this cycle of the Triforce and the courage and the power and the wisdom and why that um, that tale continues to uh, manifest itself in different eras of this world. And you have... Fee getting turned into the Master Sword and that whole quest. Um, you have Groose and his whole uh, arc and his redemption that occurs in the midst of that. I love Groose. Groose is my single favorite Zelda side character in the whole series. <laughs> um, 
He's he is probably such a one doof. of my least favorite people. It's funny you say that. <laughs> and you know what, Jared? I think that is because you are not like you did not. So you're coming at this from the opposite perspective. You're coming yeah. at this from the Breath of the Wild side of things, whereas I'm coming from the the link to the past, the Ocarina of Time, and and some of the things that those games did and progressed to Skyward Sword. Skyward Sword delivers in some of those narrative moments for fans that I think you just you can't you can't top. Like they've got all kinds of like time jumping things, which I'm curious what you thought of. Um, if that was confusing or not, you know, having old Impa versus new or young, and then having um, uh, of course the the back and forth where Zelda's encased and, and yeah. now Impa's been protecting her and whatnot. Um, but yeah, I, and Zelda's whole quest as she's obviously in front of you the whole time and like you're chasing her and like she clearly has far more important things to do than deal with you because she's not taking even a second to like talk to you. Um, she's so focused on what she needs to do. Like all of that to me, like that's what makes Skyward Sword special. Like that's where, and, and, and as a fan playing through it for the first time, like all of those revelations, all of those realizations of like, holy crap, Garaham is actually the, the juxtaposition against, uh, what my fee character is for me, who is, you know, the sword spirit. And that's actually demises sword spirit. And like those plot twists and, um, moments of interaction that happened between a character that you had, you know, despised, who was trying to fight you, who was obviously flaunting his abilities over yours at the start. Um, and seeing that he's just a mere pawn, like a servant who is meant to, um, unleash his master. Like all of that to me is what makes this game special. So I love it, but for you, Jared, that's not like, you're not in depth with this lore. You're not picking up on all of the origin stuff. So you're seeing this with untainted eyes. So as far as the story is concerned, what do you think about it? What like did any of that stuff pay off for you? Obviously, you're saying you didn't like Groose, which is like so sad for me to hear. <laughs> but tell me, like, what are your thoughts on it? I it's, I think I found Groose uncompelling because I find it really hard to f- fall in love with a bully who learns. And I'm trying not to trash your boy here. I find it hard to fall in love with a person who is a bully at the start and still kind of half-jokingly asserts that it was about him in the end. Um, I see, I see. So So you don't think he redeemed himself, even though he helped you out? He did help me out, but it was was also like... Like, you can't fully shake the fact that he's a side character. (laughs) He's like still like, well, hey, there's still a possibility I'm the main character. Sure. I mean, I get that, but like for, for Groose especially, like he starts the game as like obviously like this little antagonist, you know, little A antagonist as just like he's setting up the sure. the epic quest and doesn't serve any further purpose. So like to see that character be brought back later and like no, like he wanted to be the hero and obviously now he's not, so he's trying to like like, I thought that was a great change in having this guy who before was flaunting the fact that he was the greatest and now submitting to the fact that, no, I'm actually secondary here. And instead of letting that destroy my life, like, instead of letting that, 
um, stop me from achieving what I need to do. I'm going to put that to the side. I'm going to humble myself and I'm going to help this person um, who obviously could use the help, you know? Yes. I to think me, that, that was a great arc. I liked it. But I, I can I see could, what you're saying too. Yeah. I totally see that. And I think I'm going to say two things here. Uh, one is a broader point that I think that everything that you said about the storyline, if I were, you know, shot by the arrow of nostalgia, I would have liked this game. You know what I mean? Because I do think the story is fantastic. It's epic. Yes. It has really good redeeming uh, qualities and really good arcs for all characters. Um, <clears throat> what I will say about Groose specifically is that, like, I could have used more instruction with Granny. Granny seems to just tolerate him, and I would have loved just little snippets of dialogue where she actually says, Groose has been tremendously helpful. Like, he's been a companion for this lonely old soul, and... And she and Groose says, I've really appreciated how she's taken me under her wing and taught me some things. And, you know, I've I've really realized my role in all of this. Because all of us need that granny talk. All of us could, I've profited invaluably by having my grandparents instruct me in many ways. Weekends at the grandparents has been have been invaluable in my life. And yeah. their perspective is always one of this is what really matters because I've lived a long life and I know. That that could have gone, I think, a little further. Instead of comparatively the insistence at the beginning that Groose get his minutes alone with Zelda in a creepy way. So like, there's just things. It was too strong of a of an influence of why I didn't like him, as opposed to the chances that I got to like him towards the end that tilts me like negatively thinking of him. And that's you know that's probably just immaturity on my part, honestly, because he does. I totally see your arc, and I really totally agree with you as far as like the redeeming, how he was redeemed towards the end of that. And I just do, I do want to say that like the story for me is fantastic. I love the whole concept of Link as this silent, you as the player actually are not Link. You are the decision. The fact that you Mm. play this game means that you decided to accept destiny at the start, at the premise of the game. You don't actually have a choice. Like it's by playing the game, you are making the decision for Link to accept destiny that has been thrown on him. And I like that Link, as the weapon, as the tool, silently bears that responsibility. And mm. I actually really, the fact that he's voiceless, I think speaks to his whole character. And then Zelda, of course, being so predisposed to the journey that she has to go on as the um arbiter of wisdom kind of in the triforce that like my you know the vague representation that she has obviously gain into power linked to courage her to wisdom um which again in the lore does not specify good and evil it just says these are the three components of life and i like that a yeah. lot yeah um so her being the component of wisdom unfortunately i do not have time for you link you brought this up it's a good point i do not have time for you i have more pressing matters at hand and wisdom is not knowledge. Wisdom is knowing when and why and how to apply knowledge. And there's a key crucial difference there. And courage is, you know, you know, plunging forward without complaint in the face of adversity. And power, and this is a this is the strongest point of storyline that the game makes. And I want to get to this because this is crucial for me. Um, and this tilts me just slightly towards liking it. And I think the story is flawless. It's just that the gameplay and world design really bring me down. But like the story, yeah. you're exactly right, is strong. But I want to say this, that Demise and Girahim, Girahim being the spirit of the sword, 
when Demise finally evolves from this funky turd-looking creature into this like <laughs> god-like warrior with fla- literal flaming red hair and a, a nasty, rugged appearance, um, and you know, just ripped, jacked, ma- like the game Heck is yeah. not very detailed and and I'll, it is beautiful to watch. I love the colors. I love everything. I love the vibrancy of the game. I'm a sucker for a good color palette in a video game, but like. The way that they structured de- demise is you can see the striations of muscle on his back as he looks over his shoulder at you. He is intentionally designed to be the most physically intimidating character possible. And what's beautiful about wisdom is that it's knowledge applied in the right way. What's beautiful about courage is that it's, you know, uh, it's against all adversity without complaint, without retreat or hesitation. And the beauty of power is that it is not about subterfuge. And Demise, in his final and fully evolved form, takes Link and says, I will wait for you because power is about the challenge. It's not about getting the upper or even the lower sneaky hand. It's not about tricks. It's not about nastiness. It's about you and me, mano y mano, one-on-one, in an enclosed space. And I'm going to be intense, bro. I'm going to create this space full of di- free of distractions. And if you lose, it's your tomb. And if I lose, it's my tomb. There will be a final end to this Mm. battle. There's no, oh my gosh, best two out of three. None of that stuff. And he fully, he he looks at Zelda and he's like, that's the goddess Hylia. My goodness. She was even more magnificent in this when she bested me millennia ago. I love that line. I love that line. She, like, the goddess Hylia used to be magnificent and now she is weak. I am here for the challenge I'm here for the whatever else. And as, you know, as he faces Link for the final time, he does nothing but respect how Link has gotten to that point. He's like, you are the most insane fighter I've ever fought. How can this be? This is insane. And he curses him at the end because I think, and that's so crucial of power, you know, it's like instead of, um, instead of it being wisdom or courage that curses, it's the power that says we are destined to do this forever. Yeah. And that's, you know, just the hunger Refusal of power. To defeat, uh, yes. To surrender. Yes. And I love that. And and so I think Demise, the fi- even just in his like 10 or 12 or li- however many lines of dialogue that he has, represents the best character in the whole game, I think. 1,000%. Yes. He's so tremendous. And it really ties it all off. And beating him is so satisfying. And that, that brings me to my comment that I was going to make about boss fights in general, which is each of the mini big bosses... Um, I guess uh, I think of the skeleton in like um, the Farron Woods at the bottom of that tower that rotates or whatever the Buddha tower or whatever. Yeah, with like you have to the fight him. He, yes, he's really fun. I really like him. And the motion control for Graham was definitely the weakest because it's just so annoying. But you do get into a, a rhythm and a rut, and so it, like it can be enjoyable if you get it down. And it presents enough of a challenge. I did like the boss fights in general. The pirate was the worst by far. I, I just like felt like that was constrained for <laughs> no <the> reason <laughs> yeah the plank one yeah and that's i don't know maybe it's because i sucked at it that's probably why i didn't like it but um but no i i did like that for the boss fights for the most part but yeah just the character the storyline was the strongest by far dealing with demise and that's something that was lacking in breath of the wild this yes. like calamity ganon was just like i don't know like a destructive goose oop 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 or, or goop and ooze pardon me wow <laughs> goose uh, <laughs> just a destructive goop and it was like that was it it kind of took the form of a cow towards the end it's like all right you know 
whatever. But like, yeah, I, you know, you see what I'm saying? Like, there was no personality. Yeah, no, it's just like just a destructive power. And this demise character, my goodness, one of the most compelling villains with one of the fewest lines that has ever been in video game history. That's my synopsis. I really enjoyed the ending of the game for sure. And you're picking up on all that tells me that this game truly does have a fantastic story because all of that, like with the context of understanding what happens in Ocarina of Time, understanding what happens in The Link to the Past and all these other games that have come before it, like that revelation of Demise being the true Ganondorf um, and his curse being inflicted upon them, which is why you have all those other, other titles occurring, was worth all the annoying motion control problems, all mm. the frustrating, like, oh, I have to go back to this area a third time now, like, moments. Like, all of that was worth it to me because the story paid off with Demise. All the characters, like, Demise, Zelda and her plot, uh, Groose and her plot, his plot, um, Midna. Or not Midna, sorry. Impa. Impa is what I'm trying to say. Uh, that whole narrative. And, like, you meet that old... A kind lady in the temple at the very start of the game and you don't fully click that that's been impa that whole time you know so like those moments are what really make this game worth playing through with the other zelda games but it's the rest <laughs> yeah it's, I- it's the rest of this game that like man i just wish they had not committed to that motion control idea because that's what has defined all the other problems here, as yeah. far as I'm concerned. The the um, um, I'm totally with you. The the Impa being the old lady and the old lady being Impa, I thought was actually obvious. Like I saw that right away. It is. It is. And so you know, t- to have her revealed, what did throw me off is that this game demise being one of the original of demons of all time, right? Because Hylia and Skyloft that happens very early on in the canon. Um, this is the first, so as far as the canon is concerned, this is the first game. Exactly, exactly. Yeah. So that happens, you know, really, really early on, the earliest, and then Demise curses everyone, and they go through this constant repeating, you know, similar to the tribes of Israel, this constant up and down loop of evil and defeating evil and coming back. And mm. um, so that's, you know, that's that's lovely. The whole, but but the fact that Impa like dies, I guess, immediately at the end of the game, she's like, oh, you know, yeah, it was me waiting a thousand years to hang out with y'all, and uh, I'm going to cough and expire right here now. I couldn't have waited 15 more minutes to have a little pleasant chat with you. I have to die right now. Um, I just thought it was funky because, like, as someone who didn't know the canon until after they played the whole game, I was fully expecting... Because there's, like, Zelda is in every game, Link is in every game, Ganon is in every game in one form or another, and then Impa and Beetle, like, you see what I'm saying? Like, some of these characters, like, yeah. the name gets carried over. So, it, like, it, that's partially what messes with the canon and the timeline. I just thought Impa dying was unnecessary. But that's just, you know, hmm. I don't know. That's just a pickiness. That's a little personal preference of mine. But, like, it is, it is what it is. That's all I'm going to say about that. But, no, I, I think the storyline is flawless, Near flawless, peak Zelda, good stuff. Peak the way they wrap everything up, what did and you tie think it all together. Of Gearham's character, I thought it was great. I thought it was great. The fact that he like laughs maniacally and he's holding his arms out, so he actually looks like a sword, you know, a little bit. And then yeah. you know, as he floats in the air, and you finally defeat him because a tool without its master is a, a weak tool. Um, you know, the, I, you know, I, I thought that was great. 
the spirit of the sword and then that juxtapose against Fee, who is helping you out and who's much more sing-songy, you know, she sings and whatever else. And Gearham's just trying to resurrect his master. Like, I, I thought that was great. And, you, you know, um, fighting him was annoying, but, like, his play into the story was fantastic, of course. And um, at the time, jumping back and forth didn't bother me. I actually thought it was a clever use of um, mini time loops, like healing the dragon, for instance. <laughs> you know, I thought that was clever. Uh, you have to go back and grow the plant over a thousand years so you can heal them in the present. Um, so that was clever. But, but yeah, you know, that, that kind of summarizes my thoughts on the game. I, I really did like all of the characters except for, well, that's not true. Like, a lot of them were annoying, and I felt, like, short-sighted sometimes. And the side questing, too, this is something we didn't really pick up on. Like, there's so few things to do outside yes. of Skyloft. And then Skyloft itself composes of like 12 houses. Like mm-hmm. you're telling me humanity, <laughs> these people at the start of time have about 18 people total in the whole world. <laughs> how are they? Sur- how, how do yeah. they not have all have downy children? Like, how is this? This is not <laughs> so, you know, I just, because of the Jeez. limited game mechanics, you're just, you struggle a little bit because you don't meet. There's Gorons. They're down below. The Koroks are yeah. down below. The, you know, I, you know, it is what it is. You got a lot of the Yeah, you're like, what the, the heck is happening here? Yeah, why yeah. is it way so, like, way it too small? It feels and, so yeah. small. Yeah, it feels so did small. Did you find the um, vampire dude? Yeah, I did. Yeah, I did his quest line. Um, his I is, like, him- the best part. Like, yeah. No other quest line in the game com- comes close to his, and his even is like, okay, pretty standard Zelda fare. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah, I appreciate you bringing up side quests because that is another aspect of this game that's like, man, it's just not there. There's nothing like, to it's do. Not with it. There's like, nothing to do. You got that pumpkin challenge, and then you have like a loft wing chase, and that's like it. Or you can chase around people in Skyloft based on day or night. Um, yeah. And that's about it. So, yeah. Yeah. And the day or night very switching. Unfortunate. The day or night switching was another way of like bad layering an area. Like it was yes. really like more annoying than it was Cheap. enjoyable. Yeah. And then um What did you think of the silent realm? That's like another like area I li- layering thing. So I actually liked that touch because that was pretty intense. Another one where you like strip away your weapons and you have to go like especially when you first exit the circle, they're already on your butt, you know. So you gotta run to the nearest sphere orb thingy. Uh, yeah. and get them off, and then you get a sneak around, and then you could get caught, and they get progressively harder. So Fernwoods is pretty easy, and then they get harder after that, and then finally the um, whatever one is the last one is pretty difficult. I think that's Skyloft itself. Um, and so, like, that's that's actually, I enjoyed that, but that was more of, like, a mini game within the game, almost. So, you know, that, that kit was similar to a dungeon, essentially, in, in its challenge. So I didn't... I didn't mind some of the layering, but other times it just felt like, again, a quantity over quality thing. So, um, but yeah, yeah, I, I just, do you, so, so you're telling me that dungeons and other Zelda games are much better than these dungeons here. Cause dungeons are always a big aspect with the Zelda games. Um, and the last dungeon in this one, I think stands out because it has that, uh, what do you call that? Like, like where you move the panels, you know, yes, um, side yes. of the puzzle. 
that I think actually works really well. Um, and that one I thought was very fulfilling to go through. A lot of the other ones, the themes are what I think make them like kind of fade in my memory because the mm-hmm. puzzles themselves are good. Like uh, and the way that they use the items and um, so on and so forth are great. But a lot of the like themes of these dungeons themselves just don't stick in my head. Like they're very basic. Um, and so many other Zelda games have done them so much better that it's just like they, they get outshone. But all that to say, like these ones, there's not one amongst them that like truly frustrates, which is another problem with Zelda is that sometimes you have like six really good ones and then the one that's like a nightmare. Yeah. Um, and you don't have that here. So, yeah, I don't know. Like you ask me, are they better or are they not? And I say yes and no, because... The actual puzzle design, I think, is world class here, obviously. But the actual, mm, I guess, um, foundational design, like whatever like theme they decided to go with for each of these, just was lacking, in my opinion. Mm. Um, so, did you have, out of all of them, did you have a favorite? Or did they all kind of just blend together? No, my least favorite was the one where you had to ride across the floating platforms in Elenario through that area, and you get the gust bellows, and that was my least favorite. Um, mm. But but my most favorite was probably, um, pro- um, what's the one? I don't know. They're okay, I guess. Not the Buddha one. That one was okay, I guess. I don't know. I don't know. I just none of them really stand out. I just know that the gust bellows, heavy dungeons in Lunaria yeah. were really tedious. I didn't care for those. But, See those um, like the the time element stuff in those ones definitely made them interesting to me. Like the the ship in Lunaria, out of all of the dungeons, I think that one's the most original. Yes, totally um, agree. But its boss at the end is so stupid and so generic. <laughs> so know, it's like oh. Like back and forth Wasted there, it. yeah, yeah, yeah. My personal favorite dungeon is the lake, um, Farron Lake, or like the little palace that's there. Yeah, going through yeah. that, I love that. It's it's very like you go into the main area of it, and it's a big circle, and yep. so you have to figure out like, okay, which direction of this circle do I go? And then as you kind of sort out what works where and and what you need to go to first, it slowly unlocks itself around the circle. And I liked that. It also uses the beetle really well. And it has a fantastic boss fight at the end with yeah. the, like, uh, six scimitar dude. The like, um, Yeah, he's awesome. Definitely, for sure. He's fantastic. One of the best Zelda bosses. So, like, for that reason, it's so fun, like, to play through that particular dungeon. Um, but the rest, it's like, okay, you got a, a volcano one. You've got a wooded one you've got um a sand one <laughs> it's like you know <laughs> you got all those generic mario themes that you're throwing on your dungeons and so yeah like in that way again yes or no they're they're good and they're bad in that yeah. respect so as opposed to like breath of the wild for instance like but when you but when you're considering like okay fire wood sand <laughs> you know well breath of the wild even had like it was just the um 
the guardians like that was it like you just had to go into those and they all had the same look it was like that futuristic orange and blue light type right right aesthetic but, but as so far like, as like climate and whatever else like the worst part of breath of the wild map is uh the ice in the top left region the northwest sure. region. that's the most bland part of it so when i look at skyward sword i'm like yeah, you know, I don't miss the snow. <laughs> like, in this game, I really don't. Um, you know, I, because it's like, if you're going to do it, do it well. And and it's I just, I, I would rather you go with less than more. And if they honestly felt like, you know what, I don't think we can add a fourth area to this game. Or, or rather, if they were pitching sand versus snow or lava versus snow, it's like, I don't think we can come up with a more compelling snowy, snowscape than these three. And I'm like, ah, you know, I don't, I don't miss it. So, yeah, I don't know. Just kind of a random thought there, but, but yeah, so yeah. So along the but, lines of that, then, Jared, what do you think of the art design as a whole? I think it's beautiful. Oh, beautiful all the way around. I keep getting captured by like excellent use of color, color schemes, and uh, vibes, and whatever else you're trying to, you know, grow. I, I really like oversaturation and like my colors and stuff. I really enjoyed it. None of the world seemed bland or 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 boring from a from a colors perspective and an art perspective. Um, excellent use of primary colors, like indicating you know the green, red, and yellow, um, and you know constant themes of of really rich blues throughout. I really enjoyed it. Like art all the way around. The way their faces are animated is actually very pleasant. Link's face, especially, mm. um, yeah. he is a gorgeous man. Absolutely, um, <laughs> and so they nail that for sure. The way the mouths move, the way the only thing that was a little weird was Fee's singing. That was a little funky, and I think I told you that. Mm. But like everything else is actually very character design is very pleasant. Headmaster has this great mustache thing going on. Um, Heck yeah, yeah. So like excellent character design and and uh, artwork all the way around. The t- the time portal that you walk into is gorgeous. Great use of depth um, for sure. So and then of what did course, you think I, of Zelda's design? I thought she was fine. She she honestly was surprisingly bland, I think, considering yeah. the rest of them, but still non-offensive in any way. And I love the strong feminine character at the start of the game, which was like, you know, I kind of got a little crush on Link, but my job is super important, and what I do is super important, and I feel this odd calling to the goddess Hylia. And um, I love that. I love that. And that's something that kind of also tied in very nicely with Aloy and Horizon Zero Dawn. We'll talk more about that if we get to talk about the game, but her strong feminine character. But um, yeah. Demise, I'm just telling you, peak character uh, design yeah. and implementation, for sure. And then Link, of course, being the primary one that you look at the whole game, his he was great all the way around. Facial expressions nailed it every single time. Uh, it, it's far, if you're going to have a voiceless character, you need to have some great expressions, and he's great all the way around. Honestly, I wish that Breath of the Wild leaned more into the Skyward Sword art style. Breath of the Wild's art style is more cell shaded and You don't like that? I think that I think it works for it really well. But I do like just some of the the vibrancy that Skyward Sword has. That being yeah. said, it definitely suffers from the fact that it's on the Wii, so like that draw distance, you know, is just rough. Um yeah. but like if you brought that same thing and kind of applied it <clears throat> to an open world, I think that that would be like the best of Zelda. Because that's what Skyward, Skyward Sword's Sword, art... Yes. That's, like, what it was to me. Like, it was the best. Like, you had the the grown-up version of, of Link. So, he's older. 
He's on a little tune link, like in um, Wind Waker. Yeah. And then you also have the vibrancy, though, of a Wind Waker, of just, like, color splash and, and original um, character design with Demise, or even, like, the Kikwis. Like, they are yep. so goofy and fun, and, like, having this little, basically, penguin plant thing as, like, a race in one of the main areas is just, like... It's awesome. And so, like, I wish that they had a little bit more of that in, like, a Breath of the Wild. Um, that's another major part of this game that I think truly does shine out, um, is its art and the general design of its enemies, of its, you know, of, like you said, like Link. Um, the loft wings, I think, leave something to be desired. I don't care for the bird design there, um, but, you know, it is what it is. Mm. You make the decision one way or another. Yeah. So, do you have any other final gripes, last thoughts, Jared, that you wanted to bring out about Breath uh, of Skyward Sword? <laughs> no, I am just feel I feel so conflicted because, like, from just a pure game standpoint, the 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 playing of it is uh, grossly frustrating at times. But yes. From a Zelda storyline perspective, it's so crucial to setting up everything that follows. And the characters are so uh, fantastic um, all the way around. So I really don't, um, I don't, don't know. <laughs> I don't know. I, I really would defer to you on this one. And I feel like because it's not your favorite, and it also didn't impress me from a pure game perspective, that it seems obvious not to put it in the Hall of Games. Um, mm. but I, but I don't know. <laughs> I just am so conflicted. I feel very inadequate, um, to, to make a decision. The Legend of Zelda series is a series that you point to every single one of the games in its lineup and their masterpieces. They're iconic, like for their era, for their system. And Skyward Sword is that in its own way. It's it's so much what the Wii was like Nintendo in the throes of motion plus uh, motion control, trying to appeal to a casual audience, like trying to get the Wii into every single family household. Um, because of that, they, they made things linear. They made things less intense on the gaming side of things. They committed to stuff that was gimmicky. Um, they made it look happier and brighter. And so, like, this game is what the Wii was at that time. And so, for that reason, you know, it, as a Zelda game, I think, has its place. But out of all of the franchise, this is the game that deserves to not be in the hall. <laughs> to put mm. it bluntly, like, uh, if you had a, like, if I, if I had my way, all of them would be there. But if I had to pick one to not be in there, it would without a doubt be Skyward Sword because of its linearity, because of its tacky motion controls at times, uh, because of its lack of a side quest, because of its lack of a hub world, because of its um, simplicity in those areas. But then you've got that story. You've got that design. You've got those fun puzzles you've got the silent realm that challenges you in a different way and you've got uh cool items and things and and interesting timey-wimey elements jared but then at the end of the day you swing your sword 
and you're trying to do it in just a straight direction, it goes horizontal, and the stinking plant blocks you or whatever the heck it is, and then he takes away a chunk of your health, and you're sick of it. You're sick of the clunkiness of the motion controls. So, as far as I'm concerned, this is a pass. I don't I don't think this is allowed into the Hall of Games um, here, unfortunately. I do feel good about the strengths of the game. I feel like we did a good job of talking up the strengths, and for a Zelda head, for, uh, what do you call Zelda fans? I call it Zelda head because I like how it sounds, but... I actually Zelda- have no idea. Zeldites? Uh, Zeldites, I Zel- don't know. Zeldinians? Um, <laughs> linkers? Link link a million. I I don't know. <laughs> I don't but like I, that. I feel like we I feel like we talked about the strengths of this game adequately, and um, I don't think it's an insult to pass on this game. I think that it just like if this is the baseline of what this franchise can do, it's a good starting point. Um, sure. This is the same consensus we came to with Shadow of the Colossus. If this is the baseline, mm-hmm. and we launch and get better from here, we're on to bigger and better things. Yeah. Yeah, and you know what? That's that's kind of what they did is Breath of the Wild was the follow-up to Skyward Sword, so Right. Um they went all out with the next title. Uh this isn't, you know, the most recent and it's not spelling doom for the franchise or anything like that. But looking back at when this game came out, looking back at like the promises that it had uh given to the industry, um a lot of the scores too, like major publications put out 10 out of 10 scores for this game and then when the common you know video gamer got their hands on it they were like no way like no way is this perfect and yeah so just its place in that era of the motion um of the the craze of of what the nintendo wii was we would like to play the wii sports madness and the bowling and whatnot like it's there it's a part of that that legend as it were um, but let's leave it there <laughs> as far as yeah. I'm concerned. Um, <laughs> next time, Nintendo, please like find another of these games to to do an HD remake of because Skyward Sword is stuck back there as far I'm as thinking I'm about getting Lucy um, a Nintendo GameCube for her birthday. And I, I, I'm going to disguise it as a gift for her birthday, but I really just want to play Wind Waker. Is that bad? Am I a bad <laughs> person? <laughs> I would see that's the thing, Jared, is that Wind Waker and Twilight Princess both came out on the Wii U. They already did HD remakes of them. The Switch has so many Wii U parts already. Um, I mean, the Mario Kart game that's on the Switch right now is a Wii U port. So why in the world wouldn't they just port those couple of Zelda games? Like, You're not wrong. Just throw them on the Switch. Like they would outsell everything that's on the store right now. So. Why the heck not? And then, yeah, people like you could have access to Wind Waker as opposed to trying to go find a stinking Wii U or trying to find a GameCube and going along that way. Although GameCube is a fantastic, fantastic gift. So don't want to deny you that. There you go. (laughs) All right. Well, then um, another pass here. Two in a row. Jared, we got to find a better game (laughs) to discuss, I guess, Um, so we can get one entered into the Hall of Games here. But passing here, Skyward Sword, like I said, if I had to pick a Zelda game to pass on, it would be this one. So I don't think I'd pass on any other. Um, That being said, if Jared comes in with some fresh new perspective that changes my mind, then who knows what the fate of future Zelda games that we discuss might be. 
But nonetheless, um, that is it for this episode. Thank you for listening. Um, if you disagree with us, I hope you agree. But if you don't, tell us why. Um, you can reach out to us, of course, through that email. Uh, be sure to tell a friend about our podcast. Check out our past episodes for more backlog, in-depth conversations. We've got all kinds of different titles that we've gone through, uh, that we have gone desperately through and, and put forth the time, the sweat, the effort to bring you uh, the breakdown. So go check those out and see if one catches your fancy and, and maybe it is your next favorite video game. So um, until then, though, this is going to be the video game bard with his co-host, The Casual, and we are signing off. Thanks for listening.